What child is this? Today is the fourth Advent. It's the, uh, the last Sunday before Christmas. And so today we're going to take a look at a, uh, a reading from um, Henry Nouwen. This came in this morning. And again, a lot of profound depth to this. So let's, let's go through this and see if it hits your heart the way it did mine. In Mary, we see all the beauty of Advent concentrated. She is the one in whom the waiting of Israel is most fully and most purely manifested. She is the last of the remnant of Israel for whom God shows his mercy and fulfills his promises. She is the faithful one who believed that the promise made to her by the Lord would be fulfilled. She is the lowly handmaid, the obedient servant, the quiet contemplative. She indeed is the most prepared to receive the Lord. The abbot of Genesee Monastery said that we should desire not only the first coming of Christ in his lowly gentleness, but also his second coming as judge of our lives. Pause there for a minute. If you suddenly twinge or cringe at the word judge, uh, it's likely you have a, a westernized definition of the word judge in this context. It doesn't mean that at all. So, as in, in the negative, this is a positive judging, okay? Uh, you'll catch on by the end of this. I sensed that the desire for Christ's judgment is a real aspect of holiness and realized how little that desire was mine. Hmm. Now I see better how part of Christian maturation is the slow but persistent deepening of fear to the point where it becomes desire. Again, definition of fear. How do we read the, the text in scriptures to define what does this fear mean? Because we, we hear about, you got you fear the Lord, fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, what does that word fear mean? Not quite what you think. Here we go. And it's not about being afraid. That's definitely what it does not mean. All right? Here we go. The fear of God is not in contrast to his mercy. Bingo. Therefore, words such as fear and desire, justice and mercy have to be relearned and re-understood when we use them in our intimate relationship with the Lord. Here's an example. Uh, how many of you have ever gone to a doctor for an examination? Something's hurting, and uh, the doctor does an examination to find out what's wrong with you. That examination is you're going to the doctor to be judged, to be assessed, to see what is, what is there that shouldn't be there, what is there that should be there. That's the kind of judgment. So when we go before God and let him judge us, he's judging us for who we really are. His judgment's going to be perfect, especially if you don't like yourself very much, especially if you're living from a shame-based understanding of identity, which is not a healthy one. So come before Christ and let him judge you, and you're going to find yourself judged, judged as holy, pure, not shameful, loved, beloved. Man, I want that kind of judgment, Okay. It's, it's pretty cool. In fact, I, I heard some people try to use God uh, in the negative sense, as in, um, I know one particular pastor who gave a message of grace and the church wasn't happy with it. They said, may the Lord judge you. And uh, this pastor said, yeah, may he judge me. Yeah, bring it on. Of course. <laughs> it's just really funny when you hear how the view of that word, the definition of that word really is. So it's pretty cool. So the idea of um, taking time to contemplate through this Advent. Uh, maybe you've done a little bit more than normal, maybe because you had a little more time in your hands. I don't know. Um, uh, for me, 
I've had a little more focus on Advent and the preparing for Christmas. It hasn't slowed down the busyness, but it has stopped me to contemplate more often in short bites throughout the day. Just every once in a while. More than I used to. So that's kind of cool. Baby steps, right? All right. It's time for the fourth candle. All right. Can I have the clicker? <laughs> there we go. Caught you. <laughs> so we're going to now light our, our, uh, our fourth candle. This is the peace candle. So I'm going to get all these other ones lit first. There we go. And now the peace candle. Oh, please don't tell me I'm running out. That would be very bad. Uh-oh. Nope. There we go. It's a very dinky little light. There we go. Phew. And then tonight we'll light the Christ candle in the middle. So that's kind of cool. But this is the peace candle, the arrival. He has come. The Prince of Peace has arrived. Here's a small clip for you to contemplate. Yes. Do you want to play the Skit Guys one now? Please, yeah. That's it was an oops. Here we go. Some people wonder, what is peace? And I think peace is like an internal state of knowing, contentment. Um, there are many definitions we can come up with. But uh, when we're not having peace, it's usually fear. And today we're going to take a look at a couple stories that dealt with the issue of fear. 
Because this Christmas story is really a story of the human life, of joys and, and sadnesses, things that happened, um, how we respond to our circumstances, and also God getting our attention to redirect us. And that's what's kind of going on in today's story. So we have from uh, Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how Jesus, God's anointed one, was born. His mother Miriam had promised Joseph to be his wife. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Her fiancé Joseph was a good man, full of integrity, and didn't want to disgrace her. But when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break off the engagement because there's no chance that there wasn't another guy involved. That's like, sorry, that's like so obvious. It took an angelic uh, being to come and, and confirm all this. Uh, PowerPoint? All right, next one. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in clear light and said, Hey, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate to take Miriam into your home as your wife, because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Savior, for he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. This happened so that what the Lord spoke through his prophet would come true. Listen, a virgin will be pregnant. She will give birth to a son, and he will be known as Emmanuel, which means in Hebrew, God became one of us. When Joseph awoke from his dream, he did all that the angel of the Lord instructed him to do, took Miriam to be his wife, and they refrained from having sex until she gave birth to her son, whom they named Jesus. This is a powerful story because what's happening next, he, he's dealing with a blind side. So what would you do? Like Again, just put yourself in his circumstance. He's having a hard time figuring out how is it possible she's pregnant. Like, I didn't even see her dating anybody. Like, all the thoughts that can run through his head, just like Mary needed an angel to tell her, hey, you're pregnant. What? Okay, so kind of confirmed by this angelic being. It took another angelic being to also confirm that, which makes sense. So what could it have looked like? Let's take a look at this next clip. There were 14 generations between Father Abraham and King David. 14 more generations between David and the Babylonian exile. And 14 generations later, the great king would be born. A 2,000-year lineage comprised of slaves and kings, heroes, and adulterers, prophets and prostitutes. They were the faithful and the faithless. So what kind of king would this be? While many dreamed of the day this king would come, it began as a real-life nightmare for one man. A good man. God's lot cast upon him. Joseph. 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 I 
promise you, Joseph, I am telling you the truth. I'm not saying you don't believe it. I'm just saying... I don't know if I do. So, what are you saying? Take her as your wife. Take her as your wife. But she's pregnant! I haven't been with her! The baby's not mine! Take Mary as your wife. I can't do this! I don't... I don't want to hurt her. But I... I can't. I'll divorce her. Joseph, you are a descendant of David. Your ancestors have taken great steps of faith, and now it is time for you to step out. Take Mary as your wife. But the baby is... What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It is prophecy fulfilled. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Emmanuel. Messiah. <gasps> a dream. A heavenly visitation. And what was distressing became a blessing. A blessing that would challenge Joseph's faith, demand every ounce of his character, and forever alter the course of his life and yours. God with us. What kind of king would this be? Wow. That was a really good dramatization of what could have happened. A lot of questions. Do you fear things? Do you question what to do when you get blindsided? When you get a call saying your job is finished? When you get a call saying um, this thing is done or that's done, you didn't get the job, you didn't get the house, your house deal fell through, you didn't get into the school, you, or did you even fear that you made the wrong decision? We all have different human fears. But we don't live from the fears. That's what's different about living from the life of Christ in us. And as believers, we're made aware of that presence. Those that don't believe don't have that awareness. And we pray that they do. But the story continues. After the wise men had gone, Joseph had another dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Get up now and flee to Egypt. This is after Jesus is born. 
Uh, Take Miriam and the child and stay there until I tell you to leave. For Herod intends to search for the child to kill him. So that very night he got up and took Jesus and his mother and made their escape to Egypt and remained there until Herod died. All of this fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I summon my son out of Egypt. This is all in line with the prophecies. Now, keep in mind, the prophecies, all these things were prophesied about Christ's coming, wasn't so much of a, a, a guess to the future, but because God supersedes time and space, it has already all happened. And he is simply declaring what he has seen and is seeing and is experiencing. So when these prophecies were written, it's made out. It wasn't like a control mechanism to make things happen a certain way, which is very interesting. I also find it very interesting that the word Holy Spirit is used here. Before this point, how many times has the word Holy Spirit been used in the Scriptures, especially in the Old Testament? (laughs) It's not really there in the sense that it is here. In fact, the Trinity has been made more exposed in the New Testament in a beautiful way. Even though it was and is in the Old Testament, but now it's highlighted, it's magnified, and it's beautiful. So they go. And by the way, Herod, this bad dude, (laughs) if you were to do a simple historical uh, check, do some research on that Herod, you would discover that guy was a brutal, brutal man. Very jealous. Very, very jealous. Killed off people just because of a a guess. Oh, he looked at me fine. Off with his head. That kind of stuff. Just brutal. Treated his family terribly. I know there's a list, but he was, he was a bad, bad person. And so for him to then take out, to try and take out somebody who might take over his throne, because the wise men came to him and said, hey, uh, you know, where's this king of the Jews? And he said, what? There's competition? Oh, go find him for me and I'll worship him. <laughs> no, no, no. It was all set up. He wanted to kill that kid. And when he found out that he got deceived, he went and had all the babies killed in that village. That's the kind of man Herod was. Brutal. When Herod realized he had been tricked by the wise men, <coughs> wise men, he was infuriated. So he sent soldiers with orders to slaughter every baby boy two years old and younger in Bethlehem throughout the surrounding countryside based on the time frame he was given from interrogating the wise men. Here's what's even freakier. There were no photo IDs. There was no birth certificate. So how did the people know how old the babies were? I think a lot of kids were killed that were older than two that may have looked younger or whatever because this is all guessing from these men that were soldiers who were not you know, doctors in baby medicine. These are soldiers and slaughterers. So I think a lot more kids were killed than we ever thought. It's very likely. Brutal man. After Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared again to Joseph in a dream while he was still in Egypt, saying, Go back to the land of Israel and take the child and his mother with you, for those who sought to kill the child are dead. So they awoke and took Jesus and Mary and returned to the land of Israel. And they lived in Nazareth. This is beautiful. This is the full circle coming around. That's why one of the prophecies says that the Messiah will come up out of, out of Egypt. But it says he'll be born in Bethlehem. But it also says he's from Nazareth. So which is it? Well, here in the Western world, we think that's a conflict. That's, they're contradictory. They weren't. They're all true. It's incredible. You can't make this stuff up. 
There's a lot of fear nots in this Christmas story. Let's look back for a moment. Zechariah, when the Lord appeared to him, he was shaken and overwhelmed. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Usually our first reaction to being startled is fear. That's a human reaction, and it's okay. Fear is not a sin. Anger is not a sin. These things are not sins to not do, but we're not to stay in that state. We're supposed to move beyond that, and we can experience it because we're human, but we're not to live from fear. Next, we have the story talking to Mary. He said, don't yield to your fear, Mary, when the angel came to Mary. We saw a great rendition of that last week. Fear. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, but I'd, I'd freak out too if an angel showed up. And if it was that blazing bright and, <laughs> you know, I don't, I'd freak out. I don't know. And then, of course, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified. Yep, I think they were scared. I would be too if suddenly a meteor comes flying into the, to the shepherd's field. I'm sitting and having my coffee late at night while the sheep are kind of sleeping. Ah! Like, honestly, like, I would be afraid too. But the angel reassured them, saying, don't be afraid. Yeah, right, you try being my spot. <laughs> anyway, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it is for everywhere. Everyone, everywhere. That line, this angelic language declared in this print, says this is good news for everyone, everywhere. It is not just good news for people who say yes to I believe in you, Jesus. It is good news for all, even those who do not believe, because God has come to do something without your permission. <laughs> Sorry, you don't have that much control. He came to be Savior of the world, to include us in his life, to take us into himself so that we can now live the real life. This is the beauty of the coming Messiah, of Emmanuel, God, with us. <laughs> Incredible. So what do we do when fear does close in? Really, what do we do? When you don't know what the future holds, number one, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember your journey. Look back and see how God has been faithful. Even though you may have really messed up a number of times, made some very poor decisions and choices, it doesn't matter. He's been with you. He's never left you. Remember those who've gone before us. You've heard of other people's stories. Maybe even become acquainted with other people's stories. Read about others who have wrestled through some really difficult things. Even in this COVID thing, I hear people complaining, oh, it's so terrible, you know, and, and it is. But have you lost a loved one to this? Have you, are you infected and, and, and still trying to struggle with a recovery from what's going on here? Um, uh, have you been inconvenienced? That's different than having your rights taken away. Inconvenienced is not the same thing as having rights stripped. And none of us have had our rights stripped. No one. Don't give me that. Remember, there is hope. Much hope. Look for hope and you will find it. Remember who you are. 
This is really important. This is, this is the Christmas message. When Jesus died, I died. When Jesus was buried, I was buried. When Jesus arose, I arose. When Jesus ascended, I ascended. Now put your name in there. You say I. When Jesus died, you died. When Jesus was buried, you were buried. When Jesus arose, you arose. When Jesus ascended, you ascended. Christ is my life. Therefore, I live by his faith. This is our life. This is why Jesus came. Christmas is all about Easter. It just is. You'll never see anything in Scripture that says, please remember Christmas and celebrate Christmas. But it does encourage us to celebrate the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. It does tell us to celebrate the coming of our Christ. Oh my. Nothing about Christmas. It's just fun to celebrate Christmas because this is, this is like the pinnacle of, of God showing up, on, showing up on earth. Remember this in your journey. You are a new person. You're a saint, not a sinner. Don't use the phrase, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You're a saint who sometimes sins very different. And sinning is really not believing what God believes about you. Acting according to what you think versus what God thinks. That, that's it. It's not a moral infraction. It can look like one. What's your motivation? It's love, not law. It's relationships, not rules. And we have a new method. The old method told us we need to be motivated, we have to feel condemnation, then we have to rededicate ourselves. Well, I've done that trip many, many times. I was part of a church that it was a common thing to do. Every week you come up, rededicate your life, rededicate your life. It ain't working. It doesn't work. It wears off. That's what I say about revivals. I think uh, if people look further than a revival, revival I think wears off. I think it's just a short-term cool fix. So I don't pray for revival ever. I pray for revelation. I pray for a wake-up call, an awakening. That pray for, not revival. Because sometimes you can't revive what was never alive. How about awaken to what is truly your identity? We're motivated by love. Paul teaches who we are and what it looks like. The system of religion says do these things in order to become. So if you're going to use the Bible as a club to tell people how to behave, you can stop now. Those are not rules that we need to follow in order to become. These are directions given to us to live from the Spirit of Christ in us, from somebody who's walked before us. Those are just the baby steps. Eventually, you don't need those written things anymore because you live from the Spirit in you. It's beautiful. This is where we will wrap up today. This is where we end our fourth Advent. And I pray that you'll join us tonight for a, a very relaxed uh, celebration of Christmas, our Christmas service. It's not going to be like other years. It's so sad that we can't. But let's do what we have to do and uh, celebrate the best way we can. Let's respect the guidelines that have been provided for us. Whether you like them or not, let's do the best we can. And then we will get through this, and I can hardly wait till we can all gather here and have this place full. The day is coming. I really believe that. 
Folks, thank you again. I hope you have a really great rest of the afternoon. See you tonight at 7.30. Um, we're going to have our Zoom call in a few minutes, so about five minutes I'll be up at my computer. Um, but don't forget your offering if you're supporting us, uh, the Benevolent or the Compassion Fund. Uh, don't forget to make that donation this week, hopefully before Christmas. That'd be great. And then uh, that's it. Robinson, thank you for chiming in here. Brian, Catherine, good morning. Uh, Merry Christmas to you as well. Drew, yep, all you guys, thank you for chiming in and participating today. Be blessed, and I mean that in its truest form of awakening to all that you already have. That's really cool. Have a great afternoon. Thank you.